Welcome to the Mid-Atlantic Mauling University, the Blood Bowl podcast for new coaches. I'm your host, David Unitu, and in this episode, we'll be talking about blocking. Welcome to episode two. Uh, episode one was uh, quite a while ago. And uh, the problem was, um, I, I'm very busy. So uh, I, if something didn't change with the podcast, uh, I wasn't going to continue it. And really the problem came down to just how much time it, it took to put that episode together. That episode was fully scripted. Uh, it took multiple takes, uh, plus everything else that goes into you know, creating a podcast. So I decided if I wanted to continue the podcast, that would have to change. So these episodes uh, going forward are all going to be unscripted. Uh, We'll see how it goes. Uh, I do have an outline, uh, but no script. Editing is going to be minor. Uh, I'm going to try to stop saying ah every 15 seconds. But hopefully we can continue uh, teaching this fantastic game to new coaches and talk about uh, some fundamentals that are really crucial to the game. So uh, I hope you stick with me in this episode as we talk about blocking and how to make it work for you. Blocking is one of the most pivotal actions you can take in Blood Ball. It is the action that knocks players down. It's the action that pushes players back. It's the action that takes players off the pitch. This is where all the physicality is in the game. And it even has its own uh, its own type of die. So it's crucial to know how blocking works at a basic level before you can start evaluating more complex strategies and tactics. Uh, And that all starts with the block die. The block die is a standard D6 with six faces, two of which are identical. Um, I'll go over them now. We'll go over them from most beneficial to the blocker to least beneficial to the blocker. We went over this a little bit in episode one. And if you haven't checked out episode one, please do go check it out. uh, We go over basic probability, combinatorics, and how to actually calculate probabilities on the fly, which uh, will be very, very helpful to you in your games, especially when you're under a two-minute time limit. Uh, but the first face is the defender the defender down face, and this is where you knock the defender down and push him back one space. When you push back, you push the defender uh literally backwards into any of the three spaces behind them. So you can imagine uh, the attacker, let's say he's directly facing the defender orthogonally, right? They're on a, they're, they're not on a corner. They're on the face of, of two spaces. If the attacker rolls a defender down result, he can push the blocker back into any of the three spaces behind him. So the one space immediately behind them, and the two behind them on either corner. 
Now, when you push back from a corner, so if you block from a corner, you'll get to push uh, the defender back to the corner directly behind him or the two faces to either side of that. So that's how a defender down result works. This is the best uh, die face on the die for the attacker. The next one is defender stumbles. This has the, um, the little... It's the defender down symbol with an exclamation point in it. And this is effectively a defender down result unless the defender has the dodge skill. If he has the dodge skill, he doesn't get knocked down, but he still gets pushed back. Next up is push. This is an arrow icon, and there are two of them on the die. Uh, if, you, if the attacker rolls a pushed result, then the defender is just going to get pushed. He's not going to get knocked down. Uh, the fifth face, remember there's two pushed faces, so the fifth face on the die is the both down result. That's where the defender will get knocked down, but so will the attacker, and there'll be no push. So they'll both get knocked down where they stand. And then the worst result for the attacker is the attacker down phase. This is the skull. And the defender will remain standing, and the attacker will be knocked down. Remember, if you're knocked down on your turn, that's a turnover. Uh, so the both down result and the attacker down result both result in a turnover, which is no good. So there are a number of skills that will modify a block roll, uh, or rather they'll modify a block die. Not the least of which is the block skill. The block skill will change the both down, or rather, a player with the block skill does not get knocked down on a both down result. So if we go over the die faces uh, that we just talked about, right, with no skills on either player, then the attacker has a two-thirds chance of staying alive in a drive. Uh, defender down, defender stumbles, and then the two pushed faces he has a 50-50 chance of knocking down to the defender. That's the defender down, the defender stumbles, and the both down face. So if the attacker has the block skill, not only has he upped his, his odds of staying safe, and when we talk about being safe, we mean not resulting in a turnover, he's upped his odds of being safe from two-thirds to five-sixths. There's only one die face that will result in a turnover. But he's also upped his odds of knocking down the defender from one-third to one-half. So the block skill is very, very good. And that's why you'll see a lot of coaches take the block skill as the first skill whenever they level up a player. Uh, it It's very, very effective on offense, but also in defense it, it helps as well, right? If you're on defense... The both down result doesn't knock you down anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't affect you. So the block skill is very, very good and often a very good first pick uh, when you're leveling up a player if they don't have the block skill already. Uh, another skill that affects blocking is dodge. So if the defender has the dodge skill, then the defender stumbles result just results in a push. It doesn't result in a knockdown. So if you're the defender and 
you have both block and dodge, then there's only one face that will knock you down. That's the defender down result. Everything else is either pushing you or doing nothing to you. So the block and dodge combo, uh, often known as uh, blodge, very, very strong combo, very, very powerful combo. And for that reason, you'll often see them be the first two skills uh, chosen, uh, dodge usually after block, depending on the position. Sometimes you'll see catchers take uh, dodge if they don't have it already. Uh, but generally, you'll when, when a coach is going for that combo on a player, you'll see them take block first, and then you'll see them take dodge. Pro is another good skill to take uh, that affects dodge. Uh, specifically, it gives you a reroll. Uh, you have to roll to be able to use the pro skill, but then if you get to use it, you get a reroll. Uh, wrestle is another skill that you, you may see some coaches take. Wrestle basically negates a block. Uh, well, so wrestle will negate the benefits of block on a both down result. So uh, wrestle will have a both players uh, placed prone on the ground, but it won't result in a turnover. So that's a good way to get a, a player on the ground if he has block. So how do you wanna go about blocking? Blood Bowl is a game with a lot of die rolls, but I wouldn't say it's a game about luck. There's a lot of luck at play, but this is a game about luck mitigation. So really what you want to be doing is you want to be choosing actions and action orders that mitigates the risk you're taking and piles on the risk to your opponent. Better Blood Bowl players win more consistently, and they wouldn't be able to do that unless they have the agency to mitigate that luck. And one way they do that is knowing when to block, how to block, and how to get the most out of their block rolls. One very important uh, trait on blocking, of course, is the strength scale. So if you're unfamiliar, the way a block works is when you're base-to-base -base with your opponent, you can choose to block. And when you do you compare the strengths, the relative strengths of each other. So if the attacker has a strength of three and the defender has a strength of three, then the attacker will, will roll one block die. If the attacker has more strength than the defender, then he gets to roll two block dice. And if he has more than twice the strength of the defender, he gets to roll three block dice. And that's the maximum number of dice you can roll on any one block. Once you roll those die, you pick whichever result you want. Now, it can work the other way as well. So if the defender is stronger than the attacker, that's known as an uphill block or a negative block. And that means that two dice will still be rolled, but the defender gets to choose the result. Uh, and if they have more than twice, then it's three dice. So you have to be careful about the uphill blocks. They are, they are not good. Um, but a lot of new players, they'll see, uh, they won't really understand the advantage of having greater strength. So, uh, most players in the game will have a strength of three. Uh, strong players will start off at a strength of four. You see a strength of four compared to a strength of three, you might say, oh, he's a little stronger. But that's 
really not it. A strength of four gives you two dice on a block as opposed to one. And that means if you're so if your opponent has a strength of three and he wants to get two dice on you, he's got to get at least two assists on you, right? So he has his strength of three. An assist would give him four for one die. And then one more uh, one more assist would give him five for two dice. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with how assists work, basically when you block, if you have uh, friendly players adjacent to the defender that you're blocking and they they aren't in the tackle zones of other opposing players, then they will give you plus one to your strength. So if if there's two of you versus one of him, uh, your your ally will give you plus one to your strength. So if you had a strength of three, he makes you a strength of four. The defender also gets uh, gets assists as well, and that's something you need to keep in mind when you take your blocks. So a strength of four means a strength three player has to devote, or a, a coach would have to devote three players if he wants to block with a strength three player. Uh, that's a big ask. So a strength of four is a huge difference from a strength of three. A strength of five is insane, and when you start talking about like Treeman with a strength of six, it it's madness. That's it's really, 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 really strong. Uh, so understand that that one point of strength makes all the difference in the world. And if you have a player who gets injured and loses a point of strength, if he's doing any blocking whatsoever, you're probably better off sacking him. Uh, it's just not worth it to carry that TV when a player loses strength, especially if he goes from three to two. It's such a massive downgrade that it's usually not just worth it and you, you should just hire a new level one player. So we know strength is important and we know four strength is better than three strength. But what happens when we start throwing skills into the mix? So is a strength four player better or worse than a strength three player with the block skill. Well, I'll just cut right to the chase uh, and tell you that a strength three player with the block skill is a better blocker. That block skill will allow him to get more successful blocks than the strength four player. The block skill is very, very strong. Strength is strong as, as well, but that block skill is very, very strong. And... Uh, often a critical skill to take into a into a block. If you have block and you're down on strength, that block skill will let you get more knockdowns. Not only that, but the block skill is going to uh, keep you safer on defense. It's going to give you less risk of a turnover. Um, it's an all-around better pick. And And when you're weighing up strengths, Remember, uh, you'd still need to devote more players to get the dice you you want. But all things being equal, uh, a strength three player with block, a better player than a strength four player without block. So we know a bit about the basics of the block die, 
how it works, some key skills that can modify that die. Uh, but how do we actually make our blocks successful? Blood Bowl is a game with lots of die rolls, as we mentioned before, and you want to mitigate those risks. How can you do that when it comes to blocking? Well, if we think about what our goal is with blocking, right, often it's to knock down the opposing player. If we go with that presumption, then what you want to do is you want to maximize the number of blocks you take. You can do this in a number of ways. Every player that starts their turn in base-to-base -base contact with a defender, he'll get to block. That's one way to maximize your blocks. The thing to realize, though, is if you're starting your turn base-to-base, -base, that means the opponent ended his turn base-to-base. -base. So if you've intentionally set yourself up to be base-to-base -base on one turn, your opponent's going to get a block back on you. Now, that might not be a problem if you're a team like, uh, like dwarves who have high AV and they can take some hits, plus they have skills to help them out. They all start with block, for instance. Um, but otherwise, that might be a risky play, especially if you're, say, the elves <laughs> or, or the Norse. You don't want to, with AV7, you don't want to be setting yourself up base to base uh, just to try to maximize your blocks on the following turn. But there's other ways you can do this. Uh, of course, there's the blitz action. The blitz action lets one player uh, per turn take a movement and a block, so he doesn't have to start base to base. Uh, and there's there's team rerolls as well. So you know if you take a block and it doesn't work out, uh, you could spend a TRR to reroll the dice. But there's better ways to do it, um, and these come in the way of formations, and this is why formation setups and breaking up formations is vital to a successful game of Blood Bowl. So imagine, imagine an attacker, we're going to call him A1, and he's base-to-base -base with a defender D1. So they're, they're base-to-base on the face of a space, so not on a corner. And then to the, they're facing each other, and to the left of A1... There's, uh, there's a teammate, A2. He's going to give an assist. If A1 takes a block against D1 and succeeds, or, or rather, let's say he pushes, he's going to push D1 into the three spaces behind D1, right? So there's the face space and then the two diagonal spaces that he can push D1 into. And if he does that, then that's the only block he's going to get to take on D1. If instead, A2 takes the block. So A2 is taking the block in the corner. So A2 gets a push on D1. He's going to push D1 back into the corner space or one of the two adjacent spaces. So what can happen here, right? In either situation, the attacker is going to get the assist against the defender. But if the block doesn't work out, in the first example, that one block is all the attacker is going to get to take. But in the second example, A2 can push D1 to the side of A1 and then follow up. Um, when you take a block, if you're unaware, uh, and you push back the defender, you have an opportunity to follow up, meaning you get a free movement into the space that the defender was previously occupying, if you wish. So A2 could take the block push D1 to the side of A1, and then follow up. And what that does is that sets up a block that A1 can take. 
and it's the exact same block, A1's going to get the assist, and so he can he can block again. And, and setting up blocks like this are known as chain... Well, they're not known as chain blocks, but uh, setting up blocks like this is is how you can chain blocks together and maximize the number of blocks you take without having to spend resources. So just by having a good formation, you've saved the use of a TRR, you've saved a blitz, and you've gotten two blocks. You, you've guaranteed basically a reroll on a defender. And if this is a key defender, then congratulations, you've you've maximized the number of blocks you're taking against him and maximized your chances of knocking him down. Taking a block and trying to knock down an opponent is good for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, of course, it it can injure them. It can take them off the pitch. And that's, that's great. That gives you a player advantage on the pitch. But two, uh, it eats up MA for the defending team. This is something a lot of new coaches don't really think about um, because you have a ton of things to think about, right? So when you take a block, if you get a knockdown, of course there's there's a roll, there's an armor roll, and then possibly an injury roll, and then possibly a casualty roll. And those are all great. But even if you don't get an injury, even if you don't break armor, if you knock down the defender, he can't block you on his turn. He'd have to blitz in order to block. Not only can he not block you, but it costs 3MA to stand up. So if you knock down a player that has low MA, like a Dwarven player with, say, an MA of 4, it's going to cost him 3MA to stand up, and that's going to leave him with 1MA to do anything. This is a great way to move players out of position, right? A team like the Dwarven team really wants to stay close together so they can get their assists, so they can get their guard abilities. Uh, they, they they like to block, they like to to knock players down, and they like to do it by staying grouped up. Knocking down a player like that and then, you know, having the, the drive continue, like move forward or move to the left away from that player is a great way to break up the formation and, and effectively take players out of the drive. We mentioned follow-ups earlier in the episode. When do you want to follow up? It's always an option to follow up. Are there times where you don't want to follow up? Are there times when you do want to follow up? The answer to both of those questions is yes. So imagine you have an annoying defender that has low agility. You may want to follow up on that block. So you take a block, you knock him down. Or you push him and you follow up. That puts a tackle zone on him. So if he needs to dodge away, he's got low AG, and his you know unless he has skills, 
it, he's going to have a rough time of it, and he's probably not going to want to take that dodge. Uh, that effectively ties him up. So a block against a low AG player that you want to take out of the drive, a push might be good enough. You just move him to one side, follow up, and now he's locked down. He can't go anywhere unless he can get a block on the defender, uh, maybe with the help of another player or something. Um, but sometimes you do want to follow up. If you are a strength four player against a strength three player and you push or knock down, by all means, follow up. You've got the strength advantage. Uh, unless you're following up into a trap or you're following up into a situation where you're going to eat a two-die block back, uh, it's almost always a, a good time to, to follow up there. It really depends on what you are looking to do. Uh, even if the defender has high AG, um, maybe he has high AG and low strength. You've got the strength advantage. So you follow up. He doesn't want to you know, he doesn't want to try an uphill block against you. He's got high AG and he has the dodge skill. Maybe he's going to get the dodge away. But crucially, you are making him roll dice. Remember, it's a game about luck mitigation. Uh, so if you can force your player into situations where he can't mitigate that luck, in fact, he has to increase the amount of luck that he needs, you're doing your job as a coach. Always try to minimize... I'm sorry, always try to maximize the amount of die rolls your opponent has to make. The more die rolls he has to make, the more opportunities he has to not make them. However, if you're a team like an Elvish team, or perhaps you're a, a catcher on a human team, and you're low, you're low strength, but you, you were able to get a one die or maybe a two die block with some assists, uh, maybe you don't want to follow up. So you want to block push him back, even if he didn't knock him down, push him back, get some space between you. And that way, if your opponent wants to block you back on his turn, he's going to have to use a blitz to do so. Uh, so there's there's a game there in understanding uh, when you want to follow up and when you don't. Generally, you want to follow up if you have the strength advantage or you want to follow up if you want to lock down an opponent who can't really dodge away easily. Or even if he can dodge away easily, um, just make him make him roll some more dice. But if you're trying to get away from your opponent, if you've got a strong opponent on you and you don't want him to to get a free block on you, you can take a block on him with some assists perhaps and push him back and that gives you a buffer so that if he wants to try it again, he's going to have to do it with a blitz. If you want your opponent to be taking as many die rolls as possible, then... It only stands the reason that the best knockdowns you can take, the best injuries you can make, are the ones that require no die roll at all. And to that end, there is the crowd surf. If you push a player out of bounds, he's going to, A, he's going to be off pitch no matter what, and B, he's going to suffer uh, an injury roll against the crowd. So a block and a follow-up towards the sidelines uh, can set up a crowd surf. And in fact, you can do that even if you're not directly on the sideline. You can do that with, uh, with, with chain blocks. So we, we talked about setting up a chain of blocks earlier in the episode. If you can set up a formation near the sideline, so let's say you have an, a, a defender that's three spaces 
in from the sideline. But you've got a, a few players all spaced out toward the sideline. Then what you can do is you can take a block, uh, take a block on the corner, push him uh, orthogonally toward the sideline to another and follow up so that the next blocker can get the assist. And if he fails, push him orthogonally toward the sideline or even to, however your formation is set up, it, it might be diagonal. Um, you have a lot of leeway there as a coach to be creative. Um, but if you can keep blocking, failing, pushing, or even just blocking and pushing toward the sideline, you can do that in one turn and get a crowd surf. And that's that's really, really powerful because then you don't have to you don't have to worry about rolling the injury. You've taken them off the pitch automatically. Setting up crowd surfs is something you, you really want to consider in your tactics. Just the same, and I don't want to get too off the topic of blocking here, but just the same, you want to be really careful when you end your turn on or near the sideline uh, because that puts you in danger of being surfed. And if you're surfed, you're going to be taken off the pitch and you don't want that. So to wrap up this episode on blocking here, what are some good uh, rules of thumb? Uh, when you take a block, always try to maximize the number of blocks you can take, right? If you want to get a knockdown, then you want to be rolling dice because the more dice you roll, the more chances you have of selecting a good die. Of course, it means the more chances you have of rolling you know, a bad die, but remember with blocks... Uh, you get to choose the die. So the more dice you're rolling on block, uh, generally the better uh, you're going to be at blocking. So take advantage of uh, strength differences. Try to get those two die blocks. If you can get a three die block, by all means do it. Um, but if you're looking for a knockdown, uh, look out for the AV as well. So uh, low AV, all things being equal, if an AV, if you're going, if you have a choice of going against, say, someone with an AV of eight or an AV of seven, go after the AV seven player. You have a better chance of taking it off the pitch. So you, you you can maximize your dice with strength. You can maximize your dice with good formations. You can you can push a failed block over to to a teammate and follow up, and the teammate can take the block again. Um, you can maximize the results of your block by going after easy targets, low AV targets. Um, you can maximize the results of your blocks by going after the players that have less block-related skills. So if you have a choice between a strength 3 player with block or a strength 4 player without block, and you can get two dice on either of them, uh, go after the strength 4 player. Don't, don't mess around with the, the player with block. And uh, finally, if all else is equal, uh, go after the most valuable or the most important players. So if, you know, you, you have a choice between, say, a grunt, a lineman, a, a, a cheapo blitzer, perhaps, and the passer, and you can get a two-die block on either, and their AV is the same, go after the thrower. Go after the passer. You want to take them off the pitch. 
if you can take off more TV, if you can take off more utility off the pitch, uh, you are going to see success in your Blood Bowl matches. So maximize your die rolls. Do that through good formations, through uh, leveraging strength and assists. Go after the weakest players, the ones with the lowest AV. Uh, go after the players that don't have the block-related skills to help them out. And all else being equal, go after the high-dollar targets. Go after the ones that are going to hurt your opponent's strategy the most. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at mamu at avaunit2.com. That's E-V-A-U-N-I-T-0-2.com or on Twitter at avaunit2. I appreciate your feedback, and I hope this episode was helpful. I'll see you back here for episode three. Until then, be kind to each other, forgive everyone, praise Nuffle, and may he bless your dice. <laughs>